if anybody writes a book, you know you're going to get to a point where you hate the book. And I was on the I hate the book place. <laughs> and <laughs> Welcome to You Should Write a Book About That. My name is Kim O'Hara. I'm an intuitive book coach at A Story Inside, and I'm interviewing fascinating people from all walks of life who have a story to tell. Do they have a book in them? Stick around and find out. Five years ago, I met Gail West in the pool at the Ritz-Carlton in Manzana, Arizona. I hadn't even decided to be a book coach yet, and by the end of the weekend, she was considering being my first client. Over the years, I've had the wondrous good fortune of coaching Gail through her book, Money Come Dance With Me, as well as using her coaching services to work my way through money blocks, curses, wounds, and money ceilings. She has helped so many people with their financial expansion and changing the way they look at co-creating with the divine. Wonderful to have you today, Gail. Thank you, Kim. And I happily remember our time in the pool. There's something that happens when you're around water that's just looking out over the mountains in that infinity pool. It was, uh, it was a relationship that was meant to happen. So, so happy to be on this call with you. It was meant to happen because we were the only <laughs> ones that swam. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you were out there in like your bathing cap. I'm like, yes. I'm like, I don't think I fit the bill here in like my bikini, but hi. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Well, yes, and the and the rest is history. And it has been an amazing history. journey. Yes, mm-hmm. and you'll always hold that honor of being my first book client. And what I love about your journey with the book is that, you know, you had to really listen when it wasn't ready to be completed and then listen again when it was. So let's talk about when you put it down for the first time. What happened? Well, I had been doing a lot of, of retreats and workshops, and I knew that it I'm in actually – um, had a lot of notes, but they were all, you know, in different forms on pieces of paper and my in my uh, journals and all the other kind of stuff because I'd been communicating with money as a consciousness for quite a while, but it wasn't it wasn't all coalesced into one book and and I think that that was what was really good at the end of the time that we had worked together, in particular that first day where we worked out kind of the skeleton of the whole book. Um, It's changed, of course, since then, because it has been a few years. But just being able to have a first draft with the work that we did, and then being able to work around it and have it grow and change and shift, I think that that's the key. You know, most people don't realize that you don't just write a book. You write and rewrite and write and rewrite. You do. You do. Oh, my God. I go to the bookstores and I walk around and go, that's a lot of work. Oh, my God. That's so much work. I honor you. I honor you. I've been there now. But what, there's a lot that's happened, though, between when we worked together the first time and then we came back together recently, you were invited to go with Lynn Twist, who's the author of Soul of Money, to visit the Pachamama people. How did that impact you? 
Well, part of that was, um, it's kind of funny how that happened. Um, I'd gotten an email saying, would you like to be a facilitator uh, for Awaken the Dreamer? And I thought, dreams, yeah, I like dreams. That sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea what it was. And it was really, um, uh, it was a a workshop um, that was about looking at um, how we in the Western world are living in this dream of consumption and how it's really impacting the planet and that we have to change. And as a result of that, I was invited to go to Ecuador to work with and do ceremony with the indigenous shamans, um, which were the influence for the Pachamama Alliance. And Pachamama is a Quechuan word, which means um, the earth and all creation. And Lynn Twist was one of the people that was on that, um, was on that trip. And I remember talking to her about the, my work, and she goes, oh, that sounds like solar money 2.0. <laughs> so it felt like I had gotten um, a, uh, a an okay from her to go ahead with it. Um, not like I needed it, but, um, yeah, I was really appreciated her work. Right. And then you came back, and there was sort of that experience now in the hopper in regards to the evolution of the book. And then you went to France as an artist, and you almost died. What happened there? Well, I had been doing a lot of retreats. Um, I lived in China for a while, so I was doing a lot of retreats in Asia and Hong Kong in particular, and workshops and classes. And I was wanting to expand into Europe. And my painting teacher had said, oh, I've got this great place. Um, You know, people come there for retreats. Why don't you come and take a look? I'm like, oh, that sounds good. So uh, it was kind of in the middle of nowhere out in the countryside, this 17th century um, place. And um, we walked in the door and I'm like, oh, it kind of smells like cat pee. And it's in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Not quaint. Not quaint. I know. But um, we ended up having a wonderful time meeting a lot of his friends. And But I got to the point where there really wasn't much there. And so we were on our way to go pick up a rental car because I wanted to go to Monet's Garden. That was one of my, you know, big, big dreams was to go visit Monet's Garden. And on the way, we were hit at 80 miles an hour by a delivery truck. Um, wow. And I remember doing the deposition and the guy just, you know, the policeman just like shook his head and looked at us like I can't believe you guys are alive and what was fascinating about that was recognizing a couple of things and one was that so much that we worry about and angst over you know none of that matters and that was one of my biggest takeaways for the first month I I was just in this place of you know nothing really matters all those things we worry about nothing matters on the one hand, on the, the other hand, the other question that I had was, that wasn't really a question, it was, if not now, when? And I knew it was that the book had to be finished, because I'd gotten to the point where I, I had gotten, if anybody writes a book, you know you're going to get to a point where you hate the book. And I was on the, I hate the book place. <laughs> and <laughs> I was ready to throw it in the, uh, into the, the fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I hate the book. Um, but I knew that it needed to be written. And and that's when I kind of stepped back and said, wait a minute. This is not my book. 
this, there is a book that wants to be written through me. And this is the key that a lot of people don't realize is that we are just the agent for this book. The book chooses us. We don't choose that book. It chooses us because the experience that we have, the voice that, excuse me, the voice that we have, um, and, and that we have a unique way of looking at things and the book chooses us. So when I work, uh, and I've done stuff with people, and you know this too, that there, the book has a soul. You got to talk to it, it. and that's what changed. I began to tune in before I would sit down and write. I'd say I, I'm calling in the soul of the book, and because I work with money, I'd call in the soul of money. I call in my writing team because the, the team on the other side, and then I'd go, "Am I ready to write?" And if I got a yes, I would write. If I got a no, I'd say, "Okay, what do I need to do?" And then you and had that, mentioned the safe book that you were writing before. Yes. And that now you broke through. Yes. And now you broke yes. through and wrote the book that needed to be written. Well, you used to say that to me, Kim. Where are you in this book? You're not in this <laughs> book. And I go, you're right. <laughs> Where's the narrator? <laughs> yeah, I know. She said, you're so powerful. You have all this stuff. You have all this knowledge. Where are you? I'm not, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to be in that book. <laughs> it's a very vulnerable place. We had to talk yes. about the, you know, I think you needed to right. go through some of these other life experiences to come to trust yourself with the book and your knowledge and realize I do. And I think what you just said is you got out of the way of the book too. And you were like, oh, I mean, okay. I think that I have a lot to share, but also who cares if I do or don't like this is a vessel that many people need to read many people. Right. 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 Well, that was the part of it too, is recognizing that, you know, when you face death, I mean, that's, it's interesting because, you know, so many people are terrified around the COVID thing. Um, and granted, I, I know people have died of COVID, uh, but I'm not afraid because I've, I feel like I faced it and I'm on the other side of it. And, you know, people, nobody has, who has ever changed the world has been safe. It's right. not a safe thing. People don't want to change for the most part. So if you're, if you're here to, and I really feel that that's part of where, who I am as a person is a midwife to the new paradigm, which is collaborative and generous and looks at the world as, you know, we have a human family of all people and all creation. And that's a joyous but place to be. I mean, it's I, a very joyous place to be. Right? You're dancing, you're inviting people with your book and with the way that you work with business owners who, you know, think that there's just some kind of financial go-to for their business. You know, you look at the whole picture, like where is the joy in what you do, right? Because money, and I remember you always saying this to me, and this always stays with me, you know, money wants to be with you. Money loves to be with you. Like money wants to be here. And I, it, it was such a concept for me. I'm like, it does. <laughs> it does, you know, because we're just so used to fighting money. Well, I'm the first. <laughs> so the first title of the book is Money, a Healing Journey. That's right. really heavy. Dark, <laughs> heavy. Oh, yeah, it's very heavy. Let's heal. Oh, my God. We have the, all this trauma. Um, and <laughs> I don't know. I don't even remember where money, you know, money come dance with me, where that title came from. 
but it, it needed to be light. It needed to be, and that's the key, is joy and delight, that that is our birthright. And I really look at um, money is the expression of our divine love in the marketplace. When we bring our gifts, we bring our brilliance. Like the way that you work with people to bring their brilliance into the book form is is that's that's a form of making love to the world. Well, that allows money then to be given back to you as the expression of that love that you're that you're bringing to the world, and it's also connected to divine source. Divine source is not heavy; it's light. Mm-hmm. Well, you and have so that part. What, yeah, you have that part in your book where you where you actually were you were listening to a band. I don't remember off the top of my head what country you were in or where you were, but you heard. Oh, that's where it came to you. Columbia. <laughs> yes. You knew it was the dance. You knew it was Mm -hmm. the dance. The place for salsa. (laughs) I I think it's Cafe, Cafe Havana. Oh, my God. An amazing place for salsa. And I, my partner really loves, you know, partner dancing. And I just get terrified because I always think, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to step on somebody's feet. But that day when we were in the Cafe Havana, just there was something about being in there where I just my body just flowed. It was just this amazing experience, and I realized that that's the piece of it: dancing to dance in life, to dance with money, to dance with um, our joy and our delight. It's all a dance, yeah, and you can make a, it a heavy dance, or you can make it a light dance. Yeah, we all have choices. Yeah. Yeah, you could stomp your way through it. Uh, you get the Irish dance, or that is stomp, or you could yeah, you right, could, right, right. You could salsa or tango your way through it. But it is, it is all a dance, and I mm-hmm. think that you know we can all at some point play small. And I know that I've worked with you when you've opened the Akashic Records, and you've taken me back to. Oh my God, I'm never going to forget this for the rest of my living life. You took me back to, and I, and you just held space for me. I mean, I just went there to being a witch in Salem without a voice, or I was being, I was going to be, you know, murdered basically for having a voice and my children were dying of dysentery. And you just helped me turn that or just change that story in the records to a woman who had a Rolls, blue Rolls Rice in London. And I was a songwriter with an amazing lover and two healthy children. And I was like, (gasps) I was impacted by that. I'm still impacted by that because I saw how quickly we go to the darkness with money in our voice and how easy it is with the right guide. You know, you're a guide to change that. But do you believe that there's people that could benefit from that, that just won't go there? I mean, I know that's probably sounds kind of woo woo to people. Well, I think it's important to recognize that, um, we all have narratives of, of truth. Mm. And those narratives of truth are the things that create the paradigms by which we live. Now, some people believe in past lives, some people don't. But I do know that um, there are things that happen in our, you know, the soul travels. The soul, this is not the first time we've been here. So the soul does have experiences. And when you shift the paradigms of those stories, 
everything shifts because if we think about non-local reality, which is we that's that's science, there is no time and space in non-local reality. So if we shift something, a story in that space, everything changes. Everything mm. changes. I did feel um, an incredible shift and 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 that work is so powerful. I mean, I can't mm-hmm. believe we're just here on this one plane. I get up every morning, do the do, make the coffee, put the food in our body. Blah, blah, blah. There's got to be more. And it's books like yours that create a new conversation about concepts that have been around since, you know, the beginning of time, money, it has always been an exchange of, of currency in some form, right? And as a society, we have an opportunity to change. What do you think, what do you think if you were going to say, and we can end with this, because I think it's a powerful question for you. What do you hope we as a society could learn most about our relationship with money going forward? Well, how I connected with even using, um, having money as something that um, money chose me to work with. It's not something I would have chosen. But in the communication that I had with money one day, money said to me, the predominant matrix of humanity has been domination and greed, and I have been aligned with that. The new matrix of humanity is collaboration and generosity. I want to be aligned with that. Can you please help me? And it dawned on me that money has been wounded as much as we have wounded money, that we have been wounded by money, Mm. and that we projected the shadow of the human race, all our pain, all our suffering on this thing that we've created. And anything that we've created, we can change. So we, as a human race, are highly creative people. The most profound thing for me when I ponder that is, is that this consciousness that we call money knows that there is a new paradigm that's coming in and it's got the like the the keys to the kingdom as to what it is. It's collaborative and it's generous. Mm, I love that. And so, and so if we think about where we are going as a human race, but also this time that when you and I are talking is during this time of COVID, it really shows very clearly the structures that aren't working anymore that have to be changed. And so to look at it from that perspective, which is if I am going to be part of this new paradigm, if I'm going to be part of something that wants to shift, then I have to take responsibility for how I hold money because it can be an agent for amazing good. And as long as we hold it as bad, as long as we hold grief, grief and pain and sorrow and greed on it and project that, that's what it's going to be. But the more that we dance with it, the more that Mm -hmm. we are in delight with it, the more Mm -hmm. that we allow it to be there for us, that's what it's going to be into the world. Beautiful, powerful message. And I look forward to your book coming out. Do you think you'll ever write another book? Oh, I'm already thinking about it because I realize I really like to write. (laughs) (laughs) After all of that. (laughs) 
I just I, this next time has to be really fun because really the topic of money is kind of heavy for a lot of people, but I tried to make it as light as I could. But yeah, there'll be yeah. another one. I don't know what it's going to be. <laughs> well, I look forward to hearing what it's going to be. And thank you so much for taking time thank out of your you, busy Kim. day to talk with me today. This was great. Yes, yes, yes. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for the work you do bringing people's wisdom and uh, into the world for other people to share for other people to have access. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to, you should write a book about that to make sure you never miss an episode. Find us and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to know more about how to write a book, check us out at, a story inside.com. <laughs>